Outcast. Outcast. The Outcast. Outcast. Are you an outcast? Welcome to the Outcast Trading Podcast. They're losers. They're just losers. Welcome back, everyone. Outcast Trading Podcast. My name is Ebox. On the podcast this evening, we have a couple a couple guests on the panel and a pretty big panel. Lots of stuff to talk about. We have with us Kua. Hey. Uh, vegan. Hi, friends. Smanny. Hey, how you doing? And Jose. Hello. And as always, we have our Twitter handle. If you want to ask us a question, go to our Twitter at Outcast Trading. Or if you would like to join our Discord, uh, go to Outcast.Trading, where you can join the conversation that way. So uh, a lot of stuff this week. Uh, it, kind of an interesting week, a little bit of chop. Uh, we have the election coming even closer. I know we talked a little bit about that last week, uh, but you know we're we're getting even more closer. I know we were talking about uh, just how close we were a little bit before the show, but it's it's kind of crazy how it's uh, end of October already. End of October. Um, so what 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 were some uh, what were some bigger plays this week? Who who made money? Oh, I definitely made money this week. What what was something? What was one play that you that worked out really well? Well, um, so remember last week we talked about in the podcast, like doing, um, I was going to keep doing FSLY and I'm not trying to guess what direction it goes. I'm just trying to catch the movement with a strangle. Um, I went again and even though on the daily, it almost looks like it's flat on the, during the days on opens, the range uh, was good enough. Uh, that my put eventually after like two or three days became so profitable that it covered for the call. And yeah, the call blew up in the water, but like my entry on the strangle was so good that it was like kind of like right in the middle of this move and and it worked out. And then I don't know if you guys also remember last week, I mentioned that, man, it doesn't matter if ER is amazing. The ER play of the fall 2020 is um, I'm just going to sell. And so I just waited until the selling started happening, which this is called a momentum um, play, like in the books. And when the selling started happening in Tesla, that last five-minute candle on the on Thursday was like, okay, here we're gonna sell even more. Um, even though it went up during ER, um, um, when I see low volume, like even. Um, and after hours, I, I don't recom usually recommend seeing that as real price. That's just my opinion. A lot of people have different theories. And yeah, um, right before open, a couple of seconds before the bell rung, it just the candle just turned uh, red, you know, like um, three or four points. And then I just started writing all that. And my only regret was not, you know, putting in more money. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm trying to be conservative with a lot of, of my moves right now. And yeah, I, I almost 600 percented that that trade. So it was awesome to yeah. Um, yeah, to be able to do that. So hopefully here in the future, you know, I'll be able to kind of average up a little bit more. But for now, yeah. I'd rather just be conservative. Yeah. Well, yeah, FLSO, FSLY, uh, excuse me, uh, that, that's definitely something that, yeah, we talked about a lot. That, that had some, uh, had probably a little bit more movement last week. Um, but uh, yeah, I... Uh, I didn't get into that, but uh, Tesla uh, is a good. Uh, it's a good thing to mention because it kicks off our. Uh, it's, well, we kicked off earnings uh, earnings season uh, maybe last week, week before. Um, but uh, I'd say you know Tesla was one of the uh, highlights uh, that people look for. And I tell you what, kind of uh, kind of disappointing. Uh, I almost got into calls, uh, but uh, you know the the movement was anticipated as what eleven percent. It was a ten percent anticipated move, and it really just didn't. Uh, um, it really just didn't uh, perform. Uh, so, and I yeah, think it was good ER. Yeah, and that and that's I think uh, what I saw from the week. Uh, something interesting, at least, to follow. So there were there were a couple huge just smash it out of the park breakouts, uh, whether from Logitech in the gaming sector, Snapchat, uh, Boston Beer. Um, but I think the other side of the coin for this week was the meme magic stocks. Uh, they were running a little low on the meme magic. So that's a uh, fastly zoom 
Peloton, Tesla, uh, Jinku Solar. I mean, all these all these stocks really didn't perform, you know, as invincible as they've been up until now. Zoom is a great example of some of these meme stocks. It's just, I mean, it, and I actually have been studying Zoom because I played it uh, into last, uh, I held a, a Zoom call, as crazy as it sounds, uh, last Friday over the weekend. And I've been studying Zoom just because it's so interesting because, you know, it was one of Kramer's COVID picks from way back in March. And it, uh, you know, it's riding mostly, it seems, on just, you know, the sheer fact that like damn near everyone's using them. Every school district in the country right now is is using them. And, and yeah, I mean, it just launched into the 580s uh, after they uh, squeezed out of the, like, 490s they they were stuck in this weird range between 470 and like 495 for like the like the past like i want to say month and then they just you know really just uh uh just mooned after uh after a period of time but yeah you um, you made money right off that breakout yeah i did for sure i i didn't i didn't uh play it so much on the downside uh i i mean i think a lot of people uh were were anticipating a potential to hit 600 so um you know i i was i was uh i was um positioned in a in a way that that wasn't necessarily uh predicting it's it's uh it's uh it's downside potential but i think it closed today at what like five it was like less less than 520 so um, yeah 511 511 yeah i mean i i it's it i i thought because of the upgrade they had an upgrade and they had zoomtopia which is like a virtual like basically conference and they announced a lot of different products uh different revenue options the ability for you to charge for a like a like a room access which was interesting some other other uh interesting you know kind of uh revenue pass for them so i mean yeah i I think hit on only fans yeah, I, I was thinking of different use cases for that. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think that they. I thought that they would have kind of hovered around that uh, that area, but you know, the, the sell side certainly saw a little bit more action than I thought. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I think it was still an exciting week, but I think I will have to readjust um, some of my plays going yeah. into next week. Um, I think it's going to be like the last election. I think we haven't seen the dirty, dirty. I mean, I don't, I don't want to mention the magazine, but there's just a Trump piece that just came out um, right after market closed. And I think the, the dirt is going to start being thrown, you know, from both sides. Uh, I know Bloomberg's already covering, no, Pelosi says it's his fault and he says it's her fault and this and that. And I think it's going to get worse and worse. Um, I think it's- You're talking um, about the stimulus? I'm even talking about the stimulus and and I want to and I want to bring the topic again into the podcast because I think a lot of people are trading over thinking that the stimulus is going to close and that that's going to be a catalyst for for things to moon and I we've yeah. seen every day that there's being a double reversal so it opens red it reverses and then it closes you know with with some sell pressure um, so I've been playing that sell pressure. If I see something selling, um, selling off in the last couple of minutes, I actually trade that momentum and I just been swing trading that and then right. selling off when I get confirmation on the short, cause I don't like trading short, but if that's what the market's giving me, because that's what I see, well then I guess I'm going to go with it. And unfortunately for Tesla, it paid off really well, but um, it has been working with spy as well. So how long is it going to work? I don't know, but it's been a solid play for at least since Tuesday. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's interesting about the watching kind of this oscillation happen between uh, news relating to the stimulus. You know, Pelosi says something. Uh, they, I don't know how many days this week we've had a Pelosi Mnuchin meeting mm-hmm. planned and it got then pushed or, you know, it didn't happen. Or we heard that they, oh, they talked on the phone or something like that. And so, uh, you, how much of this is just priced in at this point? Uh, and I don't even know if the market really, I mean, I, I, I think, I think, you know, 
like you said, a lot of this is like anticipation for a deal and a big deal from what Trump uh, is trying to, I mean, you know, a classic Trump. He's like, the, you know, the stimulus just got 10 billion feet higher. You know, it's like, <laughs> what, are, what, are you, what are you talking about? You know, there's but, some positives, though. Um, sure, the sure, there are. The 340 line has held. Um, so I think that's a positive because it makes fee- people feel more comfortable. But how I've been mentioning, uh, everything feels really accelerated. Like even if you try to trade 100% intraday through TA, um, the lines don't match up because um, I was expecting SPY to bounce off the 340 and it didn't even wait to 340 for the reversal. So I think um, people are very FOMO, uh, are very eager to buy the dip um, because they're waiting for you know the, the catalyst to, to come in and go in for a strong uh, end of quarter or a strong November, December. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, some companies actually having good ERs and all the groundbreaking economic data that we're going to get next week. Right. So next week we get a a couple of key um, data points that are going to be really important for pricing in stuff in the markets, uh, at least for some professionals. So I think uh, people are trying to buy every dip because they want to be part of that um, upward movement move. So I don't know. I, I think we're going to get clapped. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it. I think the market makers are thinking the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, let them buy. And then when it starts going high, it's like, fuck your calls. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say on uh, in terms of uh, earnings releases and and strong ones, I had one this week. Um, I'd been I'd been pretty vocal about Corsair Gaming. Um, I so just kind of a little background on me. I'm mostly a momentum trader, and I'm also a position trader. So I'm not in the short term intraday sorts of things, but maybe a couple weeks, couple months until the thesis comes around. And for a position trader like me. Uh, Corsair Gaming, with what they do on gaming and streaming setups, we had a dream of a signal with AOC uh, streaming amongst us to get out the vote. Uh, If you were looking for a sign that there is a cultural shift happening around game streaming culture, I happen to think that a sitting congresswoman streaming an independent game live on Twitch is probably that sign that you're looking for. So we, we probably made about 40% this week in, in Corsair Gaming. We've been talking about it on, on our discords, you know, pretty heavily. Um, and I think uh, this gaming, this streaming idea, uh, I think is one that's not going away. Uh, we heard it from Logitech. They said that there's, you know, tremendous strength in their gaming area. Corsair is, of course, a pure play. Um, but you've got Razer and you've got Turtle Beach as well. All of them are in sort of this this area where you can find some strength, even if the rest of the market is uncertain right now, even if we are a little low on mean magic. Yeah, but um, about Corsair, though, wasn't there like another catalyst that you thought that that made it a good position play? Something about like uh, the PE that was trading for versus the market cap and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. So on in the initial due diligence we did on Corsair. Um, so so Corsair had a fifteen hundred page S one. So I mean there was just a a wealth of information on this company if you really wanted it. But uh, the reason why we took it is its nearest comparable at that point was Logitech, and so Corsair was trading roughly around half the revenue of Logitech, and it was trading at one-tenth the valuation. And so because of looking at those numbers, there's clearly a mismatch there. If you add to that the catalyst of analysts were about to exit their quiet period, this is a recent IPO. The stock's only been around for like 25 trading sessions. So this is this is something new to the market. Um, but, uh, but the analyst quiet period ended, Basically, we got buy ratings across the board because you got to own a growth business in a growth industry. And for the most part, they had, you know, a podium finish in any of their sectors where they, you know, produce their product. They're, they're either a first, second or third, you know, any, wherever they're competing. Um, and so it was just a, it was just a shoe in 
on a beautiful trade. And I don't think it's done. I probably wouldn't initiate here. It's run, it's run 40% in a week. Um, but I think it's, I think it's good to hold on to all the way up until their first earnings announcement as a public company, which should be happening in the early half of November. What, what is your, how do you feel about the risks during earnings though? Like, because it just feels like a lot of people are just taking profit on the run-up towards earning or right after earnings. Is that part of your plan? Or do you think the, that because of the valuation being wrong, skewed on Corsair, that there's more time to hold? Yeah, so I, I would say at least on Corsair. I mean, if you look at this thing and if you look at how it's trading, this thing is not widely held at all. You know, if there were... If there were a bunch of people in it who had some profit to take, uh, that might, you know, maybe then I might I might change my thinking a little bit. We are seeing reversals, but frankly, I think uh, I think Corsair is going to smash it um, because if you if you look at what I'll I'll pick a comparable. If you look at what Turtle Beach said, um, you know, Turtle Beach said we are going to hit record all time revenue, um, you know, higher than any other time in our history, our growth is accelerating, you know, just faster than we've ever seen. Um, and all of this is before the new PlayStation, before the new Xbox, before the holiday season, which is typically the strong seasons for them anyway. So I really think this game streaming thing, there's something there. It's something that goes beyond maybe one earnings report. And so if they sell off, certainly it could come down and consolidate back down to 22 or maybe even back down to 18, at least in terms of Corsair. But I think long term, I think that's where you want to be. I think if you if you look at Twitter, what young people are saying, people are asking for streaming setups. Every model you went to high school with is asking for one on her IG. And so I think there's something there. I think there's really something there on the streaming side. I I think you hit it on the nail with that position trade. I I was really unsure at first, but when you started talking about the valuations was when I got like really interested. So I have to admit I'm not a shareholder. So, you know, let's go Corsair. I guess <laughs> at the same what, time, what, I think a lot of people have problems with like, like they can enter a position easily, but they have problems like uh, fulfilling the plan completely and exiting. And that's where I'm at right now. So I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm just holding for the long, to be honest. What, one of the things that makes me a little bit skeptical about Corsair, I guess, is that, I mean, what, 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 is, a, what is a catalyst behind this recent, uh, you know, surge with specifically Corsair? Because, I mean, none of this hardware or these trends uh, regarding streaming in the gaming sector are necessarily new. Um, but, uh, you know, Corsair has been a player they got in, I'd say a lot of their entrants into this field are, uh, relatively newish compared to, let's say like a Logitech or, uh, uh, a couple of other players in the field. What, what, what kind of is, is the driver behind specifically Corsair? Is it, is it that there's, uh, is there's, is untapped, uh, potential with, with, with the brand or, uh. Or that because this is a relatively new entrant for, for them as a company? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and take that one since uh, um, <laughs> since I read 900 pages of its 1,500-page S1. Um, but uh, uh, the biggest thing here is their acquisition of Elgato. Um, and this is what actually put me onto the stock. So uh, I was doing Zoom webinars in my real life, in my real business, um, and I wanted to hook up my camera uh, to the to my laptop. You know, I don't want to use a webcam. I want to use something that's expensive, looks good. I want to come off professional. So I went to go buy an Elgato cam link and they were sold out. They were back ordered, you know, eight weeks back ordered on this little USB dongle that allows you to connect in a serious camera and use it as a webcam. So uh, Corsair purchased them back in 2018. Uh, and I think, you know, the acceleration that they're seeing out of Elgato, Elgato makes the best equipment for streaming. Now, gaming has been a thing for a while. I'll grant you that, right? I'm not, I'm not telling you anything new when I'm saying, hey, get into some video games here. <laughs> but, uh, but I think the professionalism that is coming to streaming, you know, you aren't just throwing a capture card in a home-built enclosure anymore. There is specific hardware for what you're doing. 
And the real catalyst on all of this is the IPO. Uh, Coursera, I'm sure, was probably very happy to just sit on this gold mine privately forever. But luckily, their owners, uh, Eagle Tree, uh, wanted to sell them, and so they've only sold they've only sold a maybe like 22% of their position so far. So they still have a massive one. And that's probably your biggest risk. Your biggest risk is that if this thing really does uh, go to the moon, Eagle Tree is going to be coming to uh, ring the cash register because they've only got a third of their position out so far. So to put it in a different um, light that might make sense to our friends, Logitech is worth $14 billion market cap corsair two billion at any point in time you're not going to tell me that you walk into the store and you rather grab this one or the other it's kind of like a toss-up depending on what season of product we're in right plus corsair has got some other products down the pipeline they got their own pc they got their own little store from origin pc that they bought so you can get the modded stuff made too etc so <laughs> they they're trying to also follow like a niche stuff uh kind of customer instead of just the 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 mass produced made in, in thailand whatever like logitech with that said but just look at the market cap when you go to the store you don't see a lot of difference between both of them right you just buy whichever you like in that season right when you're buying a mouse a keyboard or, or something like that let's just talk about the simple items so if logitech is worth 14 billion and when I saw Corsair's market cap at $2 billion, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is, should be $80. And so that's cool, what I, cool. I agree with that to an extent, but um, Logitech has always been known as the cheap alternative to any of these other brands. And, yes, and with, with Corsair coming out with these these uh, more widely recognized products, it's I think they have a good chance of taking the market share. I agree. Yeah, and that, and that was the, the thing that convinced me is that I, I think about branding. I think like the difference between how my Corsair products look and feel is I have a lot of Corsair at home um, and I've had in the past when I make builds for people and, and versus like the Logitech stuff. And I'm looking, wow, Logitech is 14 billion. This one's, no, nah, I got to get in this. And, you know, I still don't agree 100% because I go like, I thought streaming was mainstream already. Like everybody does it or everybody wants to be in it in some way, shape or form. But I have to agree that there's uh, there's people in the marketplace, you know, um, that still don't see it as mainstream. And that's a reason why so, maybe companies like Amazon bought, um, you know, Twitch. Because so they see the interesting thing about streaming is it's getting younger and younger. And as the younger generation gets into it, they're getting into it quicker than, than the older generation. And so as the younger generation grows up with streaming, it, it's going to create a whole um, multiple generations where streaming is natural in, in, the, uh, in education, in job, in, in anything. I mean, these, these, new, these two new industries of, of game streaming and, and modeling and Twitch streaming um that's just the the tip of the iceberg i think i think we're going to see a lot a lot of uh innovative innovative ways to stream things and and turn them into essentially independent incomes yeah definitely there was one more catalyst for me though um and the when the light bulb hit was when i was at work and i can't go into the specifics of publicly like of the product or the models or the companies or whatever but um at work now, a lot of leaders and, you know, people around the enterprise are starting to do a lot of streaming, a lot of Zoom and a lot of like um, type of um, products that deal with like um, doing conferences with like different countries, dignitaries, et cetera, et cetera. And I was there, you know, sitting and then the person was like, okay, but how do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm like, I'm like, haven't you ever seen like people streaming on Twitch? And he's like, what's Twitch? And, I'm like, <laughs> and then and like, and he's like, but wouldn't it be better if I had like one of those? I don't know if you remember them seeing them back in the day, like a soundboard where I would press the buttons and then like it changes like the angle, so I can show the people that are on the conference table versus my profile shot and stuff like that. And when he said that, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Why don't I own Corsair? <laughs> I walked in my office and I bought, I think it was 165 shares um, right off my phone. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. 
<laughs> you guys have been chatting and I've been looking at all things on their website that I want to buy. Yeah. Uh, it looks yeah. so cool. So the catalyst in part is that IPO and how much the IPO went for. Like it's, it should be an $80 stock maybe or 50. So they, yeah, so, so, they clearly underpriced it because they want people to buy it and, and move the price up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, cool. It's, it's, it's how the markets sometimes work. And like, we're, we're, we're kind of like going into the positional trade, you know, with that idea that I'm not buying it because it's the end of OB all is just because at this price is real nice. But I mean, I'm I'm sure that somebody might have a bear case for it. Um, I sure don't. So you're saying <laughs> that, that you're saying that the owners maintain the majority of the company and only release a small portion to shares. Correct. Yeah. So it uh, even though it's listed, um, if you look at its uh, SEC filings, it's still a controlled company. So Eagle Tree LP, the private equity shop that owns them. They're still the owners. <laughs> they, okay. Whatever they want, they're going to do with Corsair. Okay. So you don't really have any rights or anything, or like voting. You got voting, but you're if you want something that Eagle Tree doesn't want, it's not happening, at least okay. for now. But, yeah. but again, if you think about it from Eagle Tree's point of view, they're going to underprice this first third because they're hoping to make it up on the second, third, and maybe the final piece of their position if they want to sell all of it later on. So what they want to do is they want to get a frenzy, they want some momentum behind Corsair, and then they want to dump on everybody's head at that point in time. But I think that's somewhere off in the future. Maybe, hopefully. (laughs) Okay. But at the same time, don't you think for people that don't like volatility or that don't like craziness, that might be another positive catalyst that they can see into this positional trade? As in like, hey, the guys that, you know, made the company are still in control of the company and nobody can like still mess with them. Yeah. that. So you can also look at it as safety. Look, if, uh, yeah. if, Corsair, if Corsair fails, Eagle Tree loses a whole lot more than I do. Oh, okay. Awesome. That's I even fair. Like, I like that even more. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. So I'm excited. <laughs> it's, so, it's so awesome because... In, the, in this market or in the forums or in stuff like that in Discord, you, you hear a lot of these meme stocks all the time, but then you think you get somebody like vegan, like thinking out of the box and scanning for these opportunities. And you did all the DD on this and then you discussed with us and you fought with us. And we were like, that's a stupid play. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so good how it's been working out. Like I just love to see it that, People think that they missed out, but no, you, you didn't miss out. Just trade slowly. Don't overtrade. There's opportunities. You just got to be patient. Yeah, my favorite is there's actually a, a guy in our Discord who changed his name to Corsair is a stupid play. <laughs> so, uh, but, but I actually entered the position because of him. Again, position <laughs> trader, so I can, I can regale you with stories. But uh, what he was telling me, you know, they don't make anything, nothing is proprietary, they just assemble stuff and charge a, a higher value on it. You know, I could go and build something better on my own. Um, I've heard all of that before. And the company that I've heard that before on was Apple. Before Apple made chips, before any of that, the same stuff that this guy was telling me about Corsair, you could have said about Apple in an earlier age. And, uh, And I think whenever you hear that, whenever you come across a brand that people are just like, oh, I hate that brand. You know, they're everywhere. They're mainstream. They make me sick. I think your your antenna needs to go up because that means they're everywhere. They're ubiquitous. They own the space. They're in their face. And that's how, you know, people get upset about a brand like that. So these companies, they're generally called systems integrators or design integrators. They have their own designs. They send everything. They, they sometimes have their own designs. They have their own assembly designs, but they send it out to be manufactured by other places or they, or they outsource and, and purchase from commercially available uh, manufacturers. I mean, companies have been doing this forever, though. You look at um, Dell, HP. Those, those are the, the, the classic um, in the computer space. But even in the defense space, the um, aerospace space, none of these guys own 
uh, all of the designs. They they system integrate based on what's commercially available. That's exciting stuff. Yeah, it really is. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Joe, you were mentioning something in the green room before we started the show about uh, what what were you playing this week uh, that you weren't sure about uh, the movement on? I just wanted to talk about Snap and Intel, oh, if right. possible. If they could explain that for me. Snap and Intel, for sure. Yeah, they had a oh, huge so... Snap, Snap earnings were huge. Snap was wild. Intel, so you guys know, this is a quick one. Uh, it's part, part of the Dow. And it's a, a staple of American pride, right? You know, and um, it didn't do so well. And it probably is not going to do so well for like the next 18 months just because they decided to not um, innovate with new um, smaller products in the, I think it's the 7 nanometer space. Um, Smanti maybe can correct me. And the 10 nanometer space. Yeah, they're and, getting actually as, as small as five nanometers now. They're starting to talk, talk about. Yeah, so I'm not saying that their product, whenever it comes out with for those um, spaces, um, for those um, sizes, it's not going to be amazing. Like a lot of the Intel products have always been. It's just that they feel like they're, they're late to market, and it's making I think their investors like very sad. And even though their ER wasn't like the worst ER in the world. Um, it just kind of like turned people down a lot. And that kind of like gave a bad feeling to a lot of the Dow Jones. And this is just my opinion. I'm not a professional. And that's why, you know, also the Dow Jones kind of like suffered a little bit of, of, of hiccups, even though it had been like consolidating. So cool. Um, I, I want to jump in and talk about mm-hmm. Moore's Law. So there's the Moore's Law that everybody knows about, which is the... Um, the size of transistors will will decrease by one half every two years. I think that's that's the law, correct? And then the this the less known second law, second Moore's law, is that every four years the cost of manufacturing is going to double. And so the we're kind of at this this inflection point where the cost of manufacturing is getting too high for these independent manufacturing companies to be able to turn a profit. And so, and because of the, um, the difficulty of manufacturing these chips there, we're finding a lot of, um, a lot of mistakes are being made. And so these mistakes turn into the lower quality chips that that are being sold, like the I threes and the fives versus the I sevens are the more pristine Mm -hmm. chips in the manufacturing process. And because Intel hasn't diversified into these other, other uh, businesses, there, the I, I agree. The, the investors are getting a little wary about what the direction of the company is if they can't meet or maintain these these um, manufacturing expectations that these these newer companies like like AMD and now Apple is trying to get into um, are finding ways to to um, to solve. But long term, long term, it might actually be a good business decision. It's just that right now, it's 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 not foreshadowing that and it's making people wary and i don't know if a lot of um and please menti correct me if i'm wrong i don't know if a lot of people you uh, know this but an i5 and i3 is basically an i7 it's just that once it goes through the process depending on how many sectors and cores there are actually like uh siliconed correctly and working and all that stuff then it makes it into the i5 space or then an i3 and then it's sold for cheaper yep um, yeah that's, that's exactly correct that's why you get sometimes an i7, and then your friend gets an i7, and you both bench um, bench them, and you're like, oh, my computer is better than yours. And you're like, but how? We bought the same shit. And it's because not every chip is the same. There's a lot of stuff that happens at a microscopic level. And, you know, if they don't fall in the line with that standard of quality, then they're sold as an i5 or as an i3. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think... I, Go, go ahead, vegan. Sorry. Yeah, I was. I was just going to say. I mean, uh, taking it from a from a finance guy view of things, not the uh, data scientist view. Uh, it's just that uh, you know, from what they announced on their last earnings call, they basically said, "Hey, it's going to be six nine months before we even have something that's comparable to what's out," um, which basically took them out of the market. And then with this earnings release, we got to see the erosion of their market share, particularly in the data center. And so, 
you know, to their competitors, to the other chip makers, I mean, they're just bleeding out right now. They really, they really don't have a comparable product and, and no one wants to buy hardware from either a previous generation or something that isn't up to snuff. And I think that's really Intel's problem. It's a problem that I don't know, <laughs> I'm sure they're scrambling to fix it, but it's going to be very interesting to see how bad of a bleed uh, this is going to cause in their business. And I, I want to jump in. I think going further than that, the as we the computing industry and the graphics industry and the data data management and data analysis industry and all of these different industries that are based around data and computing, they move to these graphical interfaces and these these more intense um, computational programs and algorithms that do better on a graphics card than a graphics card chip than a a processing chip, like a standard computing processing chip. Intel's not positioned to to take in, to break into that market the same way that AMD and and um, and Nvidia have positioned themselves to be. Yeah, um, there's a YouTuber that even got one of their test cards in the alpha stages back when they were like trying to do the GPU stuff and they couldn't even get the card to work. So I, I've heard stories about that. But yeah, Intel is a staple though, and it kind of like make the Dow Jones, you know, feel the blues. Um, and I think um, there's a weird story too going on with Snap. I think Josh Josh was asking about Snap. Vegan, can can you give us your opinion on that? Yeah, no, I I love Snap. Uh, so once again, as a momentum trader, uh, what we saw out of Snap was the most beautiful uh, momentum movement, perfectly telegraphed. Um, so what I'll do is I'll just kind of give you a little history on Snap. Um, so it IPO'd in 2017, maybe it's high hit around 30 bucks a share, spent the next two years, basically drilling into the center of the earth, uh, bottomed out somewhere around $5 a share. And then in 2019, 2020, it found some new life. And then certainly that accelerated into COVID. Um, but what was interesting going into the last three trading sessions is that snap was already almost back to its all-time highs. The all-time highs from the IPO several years ago. Now, to a momentum trader, we call this overhead supply. Basically, what it is, is it's how many people are in the red holding this stock, right? So as Snap starts to get closer and closer to $30 a share, you're getting closer and closer to a point where everybody in this stock, whoever longed it, whenever they longed it, has made money. And if you, if you looked at its breakout, it had a breakout, you know, around $25 a share. Volume started to rise. Its relative strength, which is its comparison to the market, started to rise as well. Then you got that earnings announcement. This thing was a coiled spring. Then the earnings announcement came out and they smashed it. Um, they just had better revenue, better loss per share. It just showed that, hey, there's some life to this business. You know, uh, I think people sort of wrote them off and I think, you know, for good stocks, it all kind of comes together, right? We're bringing all the FANG stocks in front of Congress. You know, they're going to get looked at for antitrust. And so it's really letting all of these ideas, Pinterest, Snapchat, all of them, um, you know, really do well. So then we had this wild breakaway gap. Now, a trader will tell you that gaps always eventually fill. The only exception to that is breakaway gaps. Uh, breakaway gaps don't necessarily always need to fill. Um, this one might, who knows, it's still early days. But basically, Snap closed somewhere around $29 a share and then opened the next day after the earnings announcement, you know, over $35 a share. And if you look at the volume on the move, we have seen three days of monster volume. And so if you think about the stock, when it opened at $35 a share, Every single human being who longed Snap, whenever they got into it, is in the black right now, is in the green, is making money. And so when you have that situation, people tend to not sell their winners. They like to let them run. And so from a momentum straight trading standpoint, there's no overhead supply. We are at new all-time highs. And so what you notice is from that breakout, the next day was very strong action. The day after that, today, I mean, it's up 11%. It pushed from 35, the initial breakout, all the way to 43, where it is now. And basically, I mean, you've got a runaway horse here. There are no brakes on this train. The only people that are going to sell Snap are people that are going to take profit in it. And generally, that profit-taking um, 
you know, is, is slow to come by, especially since they just reported a knockout quarter. Yeah. And to that, I want to add that you have to add the element that the market has learned to price uh, now tech stocks, some tech stocks. They, they're not afraid of looking into the future price of the stock anymore because they understand what concurrent users is, how how they actually make money. You know, remember the meme with um um what was it, Mark Zuckerberg sitting in front of Congress? Well, Congressman, we sell ads like because <laughs> they just couldn't understand how Facebook is free, but it's a multi-billion-dollar company, and 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 then it's. It might actually even get even more crazy because you have all the back holders that are now in the green, black or in the green, right? And then what about the short squeeze? <laughs> the people that are that are definitely Those poor souls. Up. So who knows? <laughs> there might be another three or four percent left on the on the on this wild horse. So yeah, so, yeah. So you brought up an definitely. interesting point though, the that the the market is learning to price in these these tech companies that don't have necessarily a profit yet or or aren't expected to profit in the near term future. So one thing that came up last week that we talked about briefly was Fastly dropped significantly because of their their um, their forward looking statements. They they modified mm-hmm. them in in the pre market sometime in the middle of the week. So I thought that the um, the market was using that as an excuse to be a little bit more cautious about these companies. Do you guys have any comments on that? Yes, I don't disagree with you, but I want to add that the Fastly thing, I still think it was an overreaction. And yes, people are being cautious, but they're being cautious because of when it happened and why it's happening. There's a there's a Trump, you know, asset to that or China this or law this or law that like there's there's different things that are going on with there but if you notice the day that um and actually it's in the whiteboard and I should put an arrow to it the day that the gap down happened on fastly because they're the market is pricing and then what the company's worth if the if the TikTok thing goes away and they don't keep growing their other um assets other types of clients that was the huge, the biggest volume of the day uh, of the month because yeah of the month of maybe the trimester like that was the biggest volume and one of the reasons for that is like there was a lot of big investors even big money that went in that day long on fastly so i am still bullish on fastly personally and I think it was an overreaction, but I guess I'll be proven wrong here pretty soon, right? Because earnings is at the end of next week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, so we'll see. Um, I'm hoping good things for it still. I think a lot of the companies in the cloud space will still continue to, to do good. Um, but I think it was like an overreaction because they're basically pricing in, okay, this is what the company's worth now if they lose TikTok. And, you know, still $80, I think it's good. If you zoom out completely and you go back to May and April, you, you probably could have gotten in, uh, into Fastly in, what, the 30s or something like that? Um, yeah. Let me triple check. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, um, yeah, if you got in at 79 like I did, yeah, you're kind of like maybe a little bit worried right now. But I plan to hold for a long time, so I'm not, um, you know, too worried, but who knows? Maybe I'll be proven wrong or right soon. Uh, Jos, you have your hand up? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to ask about the snap bull. If you think that some of the analyst projections for like $50, if they would jump to that anytime soon, or will some of the momentum move towards the other social media companies like Facebook, Twitter? I don't know. Who else hasn't run up but has earnings coming? Yeah, so I, I think uh, that's probably the most interesting thing about the Snapchat breakout um, is that it's energizing the whole space. So if you look at Pinterest uh, shares, which, by the way, Pinterest shows you another beautiful example of once it cleared out its overhead supply around $35 a share, uh, Pinterest had another strong gap in August. And then from there, it's basically run to the moon, went from 35 to 53 where it is today. But you can see Pinterest, who has earnings coming up next week, um, it put in three fantastic candles uh, the same time that Snapchat had its breakout. And clearly, I think at least, that's a sympathy move. 
right? So they're saying that this these digital ad platforms, maybe the non-Facebook ones, but eh, let's take a look at the Facebook chart. Yeah, Facebook fa- had a lot of flow today. Yeah. Uh, fa- uh, Facebook is the ch- stepchild of the Capitol Hill right now. They're just a punching bag. Right. Yeah. Fa- what about fa- Twitter? Twitter shows the same. Uh, so in fact, Twitter uh, had a pretty good breakout last three sessions as well. Um, let's zoom out a little bit more. Yeah, so uh, so Twitter's having an interesting sort of breakout right now. The only thing is, again, the all-time high on Twitter, you're looking at almost $75 a share uh, way back in 2014. So there still are some bag holders in the red six years later in Twitter. Uh, so you want to be careful. You know, a lot of times those investors like to sell when they get to break even. Okay. Yeah, because it's been like almost a full cycle. Yeah, six years. Twitter's coming up, right? Uh, when does Twitter report? Isn't it first week of November? First week of November. Yeah, so that's yeah coming up. Yeah, this earnings season that's coming up, especially this week. I mean, it's like 29th. 29th is it super jam packed? Is it always like this? It- yeah. That's- no, it's not always like this. It's just that I think everybody wanted to just get their numbers out before the election or a lot of people. That's how it's it feels. Of, yeah. It, that's why I think it's going to be a crazy week because, look, we have home sales numbers next week. That's an in, an indicator for the economy. Durable goods, uh, so like cars and stuff, that's an indicator for economic data. The GDP and there's rumors already circling Bloomberg that it's going to hit a new record as in like 1970-something record, post-World War II records, highest GDP growth in the history of the U.S. Then we have uh, personal income and spending, like the consumer report next week. Plus, we have Amazon, Google, Fastly, Pins, um, Twitter, Apple, Facebook, all doing ERs next week. And the weekend after that, an election. It's going to be insane. So what do you think? Do you think it'll just, it'll rocket next week and then it will sell off the week after? No, no. So, so, I, so I think this week's going to be the gauntlet. <laughs> yes, it's the gauntlet. So what I'm waiting is for people to. This is my play next week. I'm going to let people FOMO and kill themselves over shit. And when I see the <laughs> uh, signals, the writing on the wall for reversals, I want to play the reversals, either to the upside or to the downside. That's what I'm doing. I am not trying to catch all the move. I am trying, try, just trying to catch some of the move. Some interesting sales data. The last week on October 16th, the advanced monthly sales for retail and food services came out for September 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out as, I just had the data here a minute ago, came out as anticipated $550 billion, which is an increase of 1.9% from last month. And that's an increase of 5.4% from last year. Wow. See, man. And then that, and I think that's, and that's why this makes me so um, skittish for next week. And I think we can call it what the gauntlet. Yeah. Because we're, we're looking, we're, we're looking, so many people are going to be looking to follow the FOMO into the up, into the upside. And since July, the play has been, oh, no, fuck this. I don't care if earnings was great. I'm taking my money and running. You know, the, the profit taking has been very aggressive. And then at market close, we had that press meeting at the Oval Office. And, you know, we, we have uh, the president saying like, oh, it's her fault and it's China's fault and the plague came. And I'm literally quoting him. So it's like, it's going to be crazy. And, and, and playing on crazy weeks like June 8th is when you clap your trades. You, you get clapped. Because you, you think like, oh, my God, we're calls. We're going to the moon, boys. We're going to Mars. And 10 minutes later, you're not in Mars anyway, uh, anymore. And you're thinking like, no, 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 it's just a reverse. There's a lot of volume. Yeah, there's a lot of volume because people just want to fucking get out. Uh, you know, it was an awesome earnings report. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Move on to the next one. So yeah, and I- that's why I'm kind of like going skittish uh, for next week. And I want people to kill themselves. And once they're done killing themselves and something takes a certain movement, then I'll play some of that movement. Yeah, and I, I think you can feel that in the vibe of the discords. You know, in the, in the trading discords now, you, you see people getting frustrated, getting despondent. Some people are saying, hey, I'm just going to go cash gang till March. 
And so clearly people are starting to get beaten down, which means that they're either backing away from the market completely or they start YOLOing to try and yes. catch up. And they're so, about to do something stupid to think that they're going to catch up and they're going to get clapped. Yeah, so it's, it's time mm -hmm. to play tight, to play very tight. Mm -hmm. yep. I'm just looking on getting four points move, maybe three points move on stuff and, you know, calling it good unless obviously the, it's a clean run. You know, if it's not a clean run, like I, I don't want to be part of it. But that's just me maybe being conservative. Maybe this is the week to like, you know, load up on puts and sell them on Monday morning of election day or something like that. Who knows? Or maybe the opposite calls. Who knows? But I'm not I'm not playing that. That's how you get clapped when there's like not a clear direction and there's too much information and too much emotion in the air. Yeah, next week is yeah. There's just too much information coming in next week. I, I'm not have hold it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jess. No, I just I know in our Discord group and a couple others, it feels like people want to wait out just until after election, and and after that they'll they'll at least have some direction on what to expect. So luckily, See, no I one's feel, waiting for March. That's good though. That's good. I'm glad, but at the same time, I feel that you kind of miss out when you don't play those gauntlets because after people kill each other over some price. Or, or like, for example, today, um, Tesla 420, what a fucking fight this morning for 420. And it was like, okay, my plan is to sell here, but if it sells here, I know it's going to go to 410. It's just psychologically how it works. And once it done, it got done and it broke through 420, like it was a clean run all the way down to, to 410, even on the two-minute candles. So I, I think... I think it's a good idea to still play it next week because of all this mass information and FOMOing and emotions that are going to be around because just let people kill themselves. And when it does actually pick a, a direction, then maybe play that a part of that momentum. What do you guys think? Uh, I'll just say uh, you just want to play what the chart gives you. You don't want to um, go off your rules because of there's an election or the time of year or earnings reports. You just, have your, have your I think I need to join your group too. Because <laughs> a lot of us are just nervous and we don't have all this experience. But I totally need a link after this. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll be uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely link back to out of options uh, on the uh, the show notes on uh, the episode. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And I, I mean, I'm not really holding in my breath for the election either. I mean, we've talked, uh, we've talked a lot about the election past couple dis uh, past couple, uh, episodes, specifically last, uh, episode. We, uh, you know, we just kind of talked about historically the, the elections impact on markets and how the markets, how, how the market reacts really to really, you know, any type of, uh, of, uh, of, of, new president, whether it's incumbent or, you know, a new, uh, a, you know, a new, uh, a new president coming in. And, uh, it, you know, I, I think just with that uncertainty coupled with, you know, Corona and we've got stimulus fear, you know, it's just, we're probably going to see just a little bit of a dip, but, but this, this oscillation that, that we've seen, you know, uh, just in aggregate, uh, maybe, maybe tech is a little, little bit more insulated from this, but this oscillation we've seen ba basically from the past couple months now, I think is going to probably kind of continue a little bit into, uh, past the election before we really see, um, some stabilization. So uh, th this no clear direction, th this no clear direction that you guys have been talking about is, is interesting because the, Bigger guys. I mean, it, it it becomes very obvious when when we're oscillating between two two points and we're staying in a channel, and these bigger guys are are selling off when they when they hit a point, or these algorithms are selling off when they hit a point. Um, but one of the big things that I think everyone's looking at is how how are the taxes going to change over the over the course of the next four to four to ten years? And if 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 the if the corporate, I mean, you, you can't really pick a a stock or a company that's going to be evergreen through, through a tax change. And they're not talking about tax changes um, to just the individual and just to, just to the high income um, individuals. They're talking about tax changes to the corporate um, world to, to basically every aspect of the, of, of the, of the uh, retail and services sector and, and basically everything in between. 
Yeah, I think I think the only issue with um, you know running wild on the on the tax change issue is that you know corporations can really choose how much or how little they pay in taxes. So if they if they reinvest more heavily back into their businesses, boom, all the profit goes away and there goes all the taxes as well. So I think, you know, longer term, I think corporate corporations are able to tax strategically around the tax issues. And uh, in fact, in Europe, uh, they have they've started to uh, tax uh, the FANG stocks. Uh, they're taxing them based on revenue. They're not even taxing them based on profit because essentially Europe said, hey, your tax attorneys are better than ours. You guys get around anything that we do. So just pay a toll to be over here in Europe. So I, I think I think longer term, let's say Biden gets in, let's say corporate taxes in a ridiculous example, let's say they go through the roof. Uh, I think uh, I think corporations are going to find a way to tack around it. I'm so glad that you brought that up because then that's like another point to add from data overflow uh, of next week. And then just a tweet came out like 30 minutes ago from the BNO newsroom. Um, breaking breaking news, U.S. reports more than 83,000 new coronavirus cases, biggest one-day increase on record. So this is going to cause more more, more overstimulation of, of how people want to move money or take on risk. So here's another recommendation that I would do. My opinion, um, don't trade. Maybe buy some longs, you know, when you see some aggressive dips and call it good for a little bit. But you know, you know, assess your risk. It might actually not be a bad idea to actually not trade and maybe take on some long positions and stuff that you feel, you know, comfortable with holding. But I know that we usually talk about trading and not investing and, you know, taking a long right now for the long term, maybe second quarter of next year, first quarter of next year, sounds more like investing, but who knows, maybe this is a good place to, or last chance to take on some nice dips. I, I think that's a great point. Uh, um, uh, uh, you guys, yeah, I think that's that definitely something to to take into consideration, especially, I mean, you know, and, and just kind of going back to my previous point about, uh, um, you know, previous electors, I mean, again, you, you know, you were saying, uh, Vegan, about just different parties. I mean, it's even agnostic of party affiliation. It seems, you know, even in a Biden scenario, and, you know, just to take a small political tangent for, for, for just a moment, I don't believe any of the polls, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm completely open from a, from a market's perspective. I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm completely open to either scenario at this point. Uh, so, you know, I, I think either are entirely possible. So, you know, um, but so I think it could go honestly either way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, we're running a little tight on time here. Let's switch to, uh, we'll do funnel trades and, uh, get that going. Now it's time for final trades. All right. Uh, so uh, for me this week, uh, it was really kind of uh, kind of hectic, uh, but I did play snow, and I had uh, we had that ten percent move on Thursday, and then the ten percent down move today, uh, which was painful because I uh, I honestly didn't think that they would uh, just have as much of a pump and dump that they that they had. Uh, happened to them so um i had i held a, a call over the weekend so i'm i'm uh i'm gonna see how that uh that plays out but certainly a lot of movement on that i also have a crm uh call for uh, uh november early november i'm in uh facebook uh because we saw boy end of the day today we saw a lot of movement on facebook and uh i mean i i think it's going into earnings a pretty good pretty good safe play I dumped uh, Neo. Uh, it's just not really looking like we're going to see 30. Um, and so I think if you look at them on the 30-day, um, they typically drill a little bit after they, they move a little bit. So uh, I was hoping for a Neo 30, but um, just not gonna not, not seeing it right now. So I, I dumped that, and I got back in. Oh, I dumped PLTR because I really thought we were going to see 10. Uh, but it's stuck in that 950 range right now. So I mean, um, I'm a I'm a believer in their company and uh, Smanny. You know, you you and I have both been playing them for a while. Uh, I did exit. Uh, my, I had 10, 10 contracts for ten dollars, and uh, uh, you know, real cheap. 
these were next week and uh, you know i just thought that we would see some a little bit more momentum that we did and it just couldn't hold that support and so i exited that uh so so that was it pretty much for me uh this week but uh what what do you got uh what do you got cooking kua um i went long um corsair fastly um i bought more apple shares but these aren't i'm not selling until a very long time from now and i got uh, in on Vuzi again at 425 today um i sold at 510 i think on wednesday and i got in again at 425 i was able to you know, build a bigger position there and then i have um you're gonna kill me, but I, I, I close. I opened another fastly strangle, <laughs> so, so hopefully it works. And then I have a spy strangle as well. That's all I got. Okay, great. Yeah, thanks, Kua. Uh, great. So, uh, vegan, what do you got uh, for this week? So I'm watching uh, Peloton very closely. Peloton is actually uh, my favorite stock in the entire world, um, but I don't like it at these prices. So I'd be watching. So I'd be watching for a test uh, of its 50-day moving average. 50-day moving average is a great spot where institutions will add, and I think they will heavily if we should get down there. Um, so that's at around $95 a share. I hope it gets there. I'll load the boat. Um, I'm holding full-size position in Corsair Gaming. Talked about it enough here, but uh, but I've got a full position, and then I doubled up. I'm fully on margin as well in that one as well, so feel pretty strongly on that. And, uh, and then a third one, this one, uh, I haven't initiated yet. So this is the one that's, you know, at least interesting to look at. Um, I like turtle beach uh, and I like turtle beach on a sympathy move on this gaming streaming culture, but also the launch of the new consoles, PlayStation, Xbox. Once you get one of those, what are you going to need? You're going to need a headset and turtle beach owns the, uh, the uh, headset market for consoles. So Turtle Beach, it's had a fantastic run. It's been consolidating. Um, and I think their earnings announcement is the day after the election, which is not ideal. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, I, I think we might potentially get a breakout there. Uh, Smanny, uh, what do you got cooking? Yeah, so I, I, uh, I went a little bit conservative this week. So I'm, I'm trying to pick stocks that are a little bit evergreen, uh, regardless of the momentum or, or the the fluctuation in in uh, in emotion trading. <laughs> so I, I picked up Big C at ninety dollars, and I picked up Work or Slack Technologies, and I'm I'm holding those for long. Nice, that's awesome. Uh, Slack, you said. Slack. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, they got a little bit beat up just, uh, this week. I, I heard just with regards to the competition, the, the competitive landscape with Slack. I mean, they used to be kind of a darling and now you have Microsoft teams, uh, you have, um, uh, I mean, zoom to a smaller extent, kind of taking in, taking over some of the, uh, some of their, uh, competition there. Kind of, kind of interesting to see. Yeah, and it goes a little bit deeper than that with their integration, their app integration, and they, they integrate with more than just um, because they have they have really easy to use APIs. They they integrate um, with more than just the big dogs. That they'll integrate with indie uh, indie services as well. Yeah. Um, cool. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Manny. Uh, Joe, what do you got cooking this uh, this week? Uh, for this week, I've just so I listened to the last episode and I put Arc on my list to watch and I have Vuzi and now I've added this, the, Oh, the tech company you guys were talking about. Um, and I'll have to catch up with you all and see Corsair. a good entry point for them. The tech, um, com- the tech company, the Corsair. Uh, <laughs> oh, what Cors- was that? Corsair, Corsair. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we've talked about so many tickers. We're trying to make notes about all of them. <laughs> Uh, For sure, and just real quick, so I'll probably put this in the in the show notes. But Corsair is, uh, let me just check the what are they again? CSR. Yes. Yes, CRSR. Yep. CRSR. Right. I thought I was four. Cool. And uh, uh, was there anything you swung, uh, uh, Joe's? I'm going to try to keep catching the snap pullback, but now I don't know because of vegan. I might just let him go, take a loss, and then just move on and maybe try to catch the run up to 50 or move on to like Facebook or Twitter. But I also don't know about Facebook since they're 
in the courts and stuff. Watch, watch the closest. Um, a, a lot of my places we are going to be, I'm selling in the mornings and I'm swinging uh, and I'm opening positions like right before close. Maybe I think at the closest and at the, in the early mornings, it gives you kind of like a direction. And then at the midday, you see if there's a, a, a pivot point. Maybe just trade the morning and then just trade in the afternoon, like right at the end. And, and maybe you can get some in some good swings. Um, that's what I'm going to do. So if I see that it closed red and people had, had started taking profit and stuff like that, I'm going into a put overnight and obviously the opposite if I see the other end. But the most important stuff is to exit the trade uh, early in the morning when IV is high and, and stuff like that. And emotions are still undecided where it's going. Because when you don't exit and you try to catch all the move, that that's when you ruin your positions, in my opinion. So I, I do want to add one more um, trade that I did enter. It was Virgin Galactic Space, SPCE. I entered a starter position. Um, I'm a little bit worried that they'll fill the gap back down to really? $15. Um, but I think the, the drop over the past couple of day, or past week or so was a little bit of an overreaction, especially because they have a lot of catalysts that are coming up in the future that people are getting excited about. Oh, man. I follow that one a lot because it's been on my portfolio in and out. And, yeah, I don't – I just feel like there's more downside still. For, for space? Yeah, yeah. It's just that there's the big money holders. They're holding at around 14, 15. And um, it has a lot of catalyst. It it should take off, but it hasn't formed that new support at um, eighteen thirty. Um, I'm hoping eighteen thirty holds. If eighteen thirty holds, then I'm happy because I have it on another account, um, on a long account, and I'm hoping that that's the new bottom. But basically, every time it goes to fifteen, I just buy again, and it hasn't failed. Um, nice. Nice. So that because I don't know that I know it's a weird company and it doesn't make a lot of sense for a lot of people. But you know, neither did airplanes sixty years ago or Tesla. So that's one of my speculative <laughs> so trades. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, uh, thanks so much, everyone, uh, for joining the panel, and I think we'll leave it at that. And uh, we'll see everyone uh, next week. Yeah, super fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Please consider all risks, trades, and objectives carefully. Outcast Trading is not financial advisor and does not recommend or condone any particular trade.